0: Hi, this is Joe from New Code and you're listening to Codeless. I think that's the most important part about starting a no-code agency now and focusing on no-code tools is just showing people what is actually possible. New Code started as a product hunt for no-code products and so I was just curating a list of all the products that were launched on Product Hunt that were built without code. So no-code I think is an ever expanding boundary. It is a boundary that needs to be pushed. It's a community of people that are trying to push that boundary as far as we can take it. Code will always be a step ahead because code provides the features that you're able to build with no code. I, I would just say that like, being open and honest about failures, just as much as you're open and honest about successes, is extremely important.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode four of Codeless. You should definitely give yourself a high five right now for subscribing to this podcast because you're one smart cookie for wanting to peek into the future with us. Today's episode features a maker who is serious about building community and helping other makers and companies get started with no code. Joe Brown is out of Cincinnati and is the founder of the no-code platform NewCode. Dot co, as well as small.co, a no code agency. He is a serious maker dedicated to helping expand the boundaries of No code, turning your ripples into continuous waves of progress. We're going to roll right into this interview after a brief introduction from Joe. Enjoy.
0: Hello, my name is Joe Brown, I'm the founder of New Code, a no-code community of experts and makers building products without code.
1: All right, so I know you as Joe Brown, and honestly, like, your Twitter name, like, I know what it looks like, but I've never tried to pronounce it. So please go ahead and just, like, identify yourself by your Twitter name.
0: My Twitter name is Joe. Since I was young, like, everybody has always called me Joe Brown, literally never just called me Joe. Some people ask if I'm in the witness protection program because that name is so, (laughs) so plain. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, and obviously I'm never gonna get at Joe or at Joe Brown on, on social. I
1: almost look at a lot of these like no code tools, platforms and curations as starting out as like ideas and then some of them start to become like pillars and institutions in the community. Like, you know, there's a maker pad and then there's you with new code. There's no codery. There's just like a lot of stuff. So let's just help the first, you know, we always do this at the beginning of the show for the 15 to like 20% of people that just want to hear about no code tools. All right. So let's just list your projects so they can stay with us till the end of the show. So go ahead.
0: So right now we're working on new code and then we're also working as far as like other projects. We're also working on small as in start small, which is like our motto for the agency. We're just going to be building products for other people that don't necessarily want to take the reins on no code tools yet. And that'll really be more for small businesses, enterprise clients and that type of stuff.
1: Joe, where are you based out of?
0: Based out of Cincinnati.
1: How long have you had your agency right now?
0: So we just like started ideating that a little bit, probably two or three months ago. We've actually used new code as our version 2.2 as our first case study for small and how you can actually build a complete platform, even if it's a community platform. So it is our greatest case study prior to actually going out and selling to clients. We'll likely do a a write-up and kind of talk about how we went through the process of building new code from V1 to V2.2 now. that's the most important part about starting a no-code agency now and focusing on no-code tools is just showing people what is actually possible. A lot of people think of WordPress or just connecting different things with Zapier uh, when they think of no-code, but at this point you're able to build full web apps, mobile apps, whatever you could imagine.
1: Tell us about your origin story. I just really want to know how you got to this point because one fascination a lot of people have with new trends and movements like no code is a lot of people see it happening overnight. And we know that there are a lot of people that have been working on this for a long time. So just tell us your story and kind of ease us into how long you've been working with no code and what brought you to this point today.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I guess I'll start in high school because I was just extremely lazy in high school. And then right after that, I went to Cincinnati State for fire science. I spent about two years there. I ended up like tearing my meniscus in half. So while I was on crutches, I ended up going to finish my bachelor's in marketing at the University of Cincinnati. During college there for my bachelor's degree, I ended up starting in Outfitter shop. And that was actually uh, the start of, of what was Ektra. Ectra actually means adventure in Old Irish. It was an e-commerce shop that we sold everything from like hand-painted axes that I, I restored myself, all the way up to things like backpacks and canoe paddles and actual whole canoes that were painted, which was kind of fun. We still have the Instagram that Ektra Outfitters, and Ektra is spelled E-C-H-T-R-A. So, finished my degree in uh, marketing at UC. I spent a couple years as the senior e commerce strategist at Weingarten Hammond's Hotel Group, which is based in Blue Ash, Ohio. So, I managed e commerce for about 20 hotels or so. And then, about two years ago, I joined MyWay, which is a peer to peer RV rental platform. MyWay is part of what is now called Togo Group. So, I started working at Togo Group about two years ago. About one year in, I started New Code. And so, new code started as like a product hunt for no code products and so i was just curating on my own just like a list of all the products that were launched on product hunts that were built without code eventually we just started curating anything that was built without code whether it was launched on product hunt or not and then version two actually we added like a forum a whole learn area we basically wanted to be the product hunt for no code and building that community around resources and actual experts that helped other people build without code. Like We haven't made any money on new code, and we are just now focusing on what our revenue model in the future is going to be. I absolutely believe in, in paying it forward, and I think that
1: this is one of the strongest movements to do so with. Thank you so much. You make it so easy for noobs like me to get in. I know there's a lot of curation going on out there, but it it just really feels good to start with something so nebulous and then someone calls it or a community calls it something and you're like, that's what, that's it. That's what I want to be involved in. And then you have stuff like new code where you now have a forum, you have tools broken out. It's a really nice way to ease yourself into this. So thank you. I mean, a noob can become a somebody. Literally with new code.
0: Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. We just want to get people talking. That's all.
1: Hey there, it's me again. So Joe and I talked about a lot of things, most of them just too extensive to include in this podcast. But I will say I learned quite a bit about his early passion for firefighting and how that translates into his point of view as a maker. I also learned about his love for Disney movies starring the sled dogs Togo and Balto. Togo is definitely his favorite and if you've had a chance to watch both movies, you'll understand why. Let's just say, sometimes the folks who do a lot of the heavy lifting don't get an equal proportion of the credits. With that being said. Let's roll into the rest of the interview and talk to Joe about the mentality of no code. Enjoy. All right, so, you know, we've talked about your origin story, your very diverse background. I'm going to ask you a quick question here so I don't forget it now. What have you learned from firefighting that you're bringing into your no code
0: mentality? So as far as, like, uh, what firefighting, Taught me and how that kind of relates to no code. I think just working extremely hard and and if there is a wall, you can absolutely get around it. Um, and so building out products that are actually viable becomes much more easy with no code.
1: So one thing that I've learned recently is that this community is not short of talent, and people are producing so many things. So my question for you is regarding shipping viable products. First of all. What does viable mean to you, especially with regards to no code? And second, when you're in the process of shipping viable products, how do you think about it? Are you just coming up with an idea and shipping it or are you really thinking around how to do that?
0: Yeah. So as far as viable products goes, I think it's just based around building something that is solving your own personal problem. And then building off of that and finding other people that maybe have that same problem um, or issue and, and doing the research to, to find out if that is something you should continue to pursue. If it's a free product that you're building, then definitely just make sure your burn rate is, is low if you just want to keep it alive forever. But if it's a product that you end up wanting to sell, doing some research, especially after building that quick MVP is extremely important. I, I think that is the only definition of viable that i i would think is needed especially as it relates to like no code because you can build products extremely fast with without code nowadays like you can use glide or adalo to like build a mobile app in an hour or less and so like actually finding that market for your product is extremely important as far as how you're going to build it um i absolutely believe in in no dedication to a single tool there are going to be tools that are better for each product or project that you're building. If you need something that you can hand off to a client that all they know is Google Sheets, then Glide apps might be a great option. And then you'll have clients that uh, are maybe enterprise clients that are maybe Fortune 500 companies that want a fully fledged web app um, that lets them dynamically price products um, into hundreds of thousands um, every day. And so like being able to build that is likely something you would need to do in something like Bubble. And so I absolutely believe in taking an hour or two to actually just destroy a no-code platform to actually check to see what is possible in there. Make a list of your requirements and your nice-to-haves, obviously, for what your end MVP needs. And then going into each tool to actually kind of break it down by feature and figuring out which requirements are fulfilled by which no-code platforms is extremely important. I think for most MVPs, you can figure out which tool is the best suited for that project within an hour at most.
1: You said something that I want to touch on. So you talked about different no-code tools to fit different use cases or clients. It almost seems like when you're building your products for yourself or for clients, you want to build it in such a way that the product can easily be recalibrated or updated, not just by yourself, but probably by the customer. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, definitely. With no-code tools, I think it's important to let the client know what tools you're going to be delivering that in, letting them know how extensible it is and how scalable that specific project might be in that tool, and then figuring out if that's something you need to hand off completely to them and whether they're able to handle that. That's why I believe that being able to handle handoff no code projects is much easier than obviously handing off a, a code base for, for an MVP to a client.
1: Got it. Okay. So speaking, speaking still in that vein, you are, you know, you're working on an agency. You've dealt with several no code tools. You also have a platform with new code where you're curating, you're forming a community around getting people into no code. So let's say you're speaking to a client and you want to walk them through different tools in different categories. Let's just talk about some of the differences, whether they sit on a spectrum or they're like totally like oil and water and just compare their usefulness for different clients or use cases.
0: Yeah, for sure. I guess it totally depends on on what the client needs and what the project is and what their requirements are for that project. But as far as a spectrum of tools and use cases, I would say that if it is a small business, like a gym and they just want a mobile app for their members, definitely use Glide apps. Again, it's like super easy or Adalo or something like that. As far as like some bigger clients and use cases, there's two specific tools that we rely on quite a bit, and that is Webflow and Bubble. Webflow from the aspect of building out marketing sites and building things that, that are visually appealing as far as design goes. Webflow is, is definitely ahead of the pack in being able to build the visually appealing websites that are re- easily responsive and then like being able to connect that with Zapier and then any other tool is extremely important. So if a client already has a back-end internal tool they use, you could potentially connect that to their marketing site via Zapier and Webflow, so that makes it quite easy. So it totally depends on what the client actually uses already. If a client is looking for something that is like a web app, like a fully custom platform for their own employees and they need OAuth or maybe like Google sign in or something like that. Maybe they need like to be able to create custom database type of stuff within their app. Um, And they don't want to be paying like a bunch of money for a bunch of different external tools. I think Bubble is a great fit for that, especially if it's, a well designed bubble app with good UX, I think you can build some crazy stuff. In my opinion, it's, it's the most powerful no code tool now. Yes. Who knows like, what's going to be built next year? Okay. And then, uh, one other use case like, I know uh, voice is still huge. So, Voiceflow would probably be another um, tool that we would use for client projects. As far as voice apps goes, they are the number one platform to use.
1: So regarding all these tools you've mentioned, you mentioned Webflow, you mentioned Bubble, you mentioned Adalo, you mentioned Glide. How long have you been working with these? And and when I ask you that question, I'm really trying to understand like how long have you been working with them to the point where you feel so good working with them?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I think that first project I ever built was in WordPress and it was just a just a website and then moved to like Shopify for extra when I was running the outfitter shop and then about Four or five years ago, back when I was at that hotel management company, I was using Webflow to actually build some like hotel websites and some, some stuff that would normally cost our hotels like 30 grand with some agencies to actually build. And so like me being the only e-commerce person in the in the company managing 20 hotels, like being able to take that, that cost off of our hotels and just building that in Webflow with a designer's help and doing it for... Like a thirtieth of the cost of what the agencies, hotel management agencies, were charging us for yeah. a website. So that was that was just insane. And so I started with Webflow about four or five years ago. I think that's when I seriously got into like building no code websites and apps and stuff. You feel kind of spoiled after using Webflow a little bit because of yeah. their design editor. It works, uh, and that's all you can ask of a no code tool. So three years ago, I started using Bubble. I actually dropped it. Continued working in Webflow. And then about two years ago I seriously picked up Bubble. And I think Bubble doesn't get adopted as well by like the design community, which I think Webflow has done extremely well with. And I think that has likely caused some growth issues for sure. But when you truly get into like the end stuff of Bubble, there is some crazy stuff that you can do in Bubble that you just cannot do in Webflow unless you're connecting Zapier or IntegraMAT or Parabola with Webflow and like however many other tools, whereas all of that you can do in Bubble. Right now, their starter plan is for an app. If you're wanting to pay for it's like 29 bucks a month or something, whereas the same functions out of Webflow and Zapier and however many other tools you're using to build your app would likely cost you close to $100 a month. And so Bubble, I, I think, is a, a better value depending on the use case and like, depending on if you're building a web app and if you need that. I definitely think it's worth it. But back to like using the tools, I started using Bubble seriously about two years ago. And then I was building everything from like hotel, like data enrichment tools. So like helping our hotels, like put our leads into a data enrichment tool that was actually powered through Bubble.
1: So what was it like five years ago, working with these tools? Like were you like the crazy nerdy guy or were you just one of the cool kids? What was that like? I don't think it's something
0: you notice when it's happening. Product Hunt is really the, the tool that kind of got me into the no-code movement and like obsessing over cool features of new products. Four or five years ago, it was really just like building a website and that was it. Um, yeah. Bubble's been around for a while, but I think people more advanced than I am and smarter than I am had probably picked up Bubble prior to that. And we're building some crazy stuff before I even realized that that bubble was a thing.
1: Shout out to Product Hunt. They're literally the gateway for getting a lot of people down this rabbit hole of no code.
0: I use their Mac menu bar every single morning. Like it just has that notification like plus nine and I just have to look at it.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's really a good way to explain your use of, of Product Hunt. So we've talked about your origin. We've talked about some tools. What I wanted to get into with you was kind of just talking about no code. What does it mean to you? And I especially want to hear about how it has changed you or if it has.
0: I think I'll probably start with what no code is to me. So no code, I think, is an ever expanding boundary. It is, it is a boundary that needs to be pushed. It's a, a community of people that are trying to push that boundary as far as we can take it. Code will always be a step ahead because code provides the features that you're able to build with no code. But I think it's eventually going to get to a point where it's just a few steps behind. No code has kind of changed the way I work. I had always moved fast and broke things. I don't necessarily like that phrase, but it works. With no code, you are able to spend a tiny bit more time on planning than you normally would for a project. But then immediately start building without having to do additional research than that you normally would just to make sure that it was viable because you're able to just build it in an hour instead of waiting to like plan, do your research, talk to customers as much as possible, and then start to build. I think that entire mindset of like being able to build something that has value for at least a few people that you've talked to is extremely important and has changed the way I work immensely.
1: So if no code is an ever-expanding
0: universe, what mm-hmm. are the
1: limitations
0: that you notice? So I think you, you start to notice some of the limitations when you get into some tools like GlideApps and Webflow and stuff. I think there's less limitations in tools like Bubble. With Bubble, honestly, I haven't found something that I couldn't build without code there are a number they have a whole ecosystem actually of plugin developers don't personally love plugins and i try to keep those to a minimum as much as possible but they make it a little bit easier to kind of like fit some special features into your apps as you need to build them as far as actual limitations i think ai and machine learning are probably two of the biggest limitations for no code currently it'll be a while i think before we get to a point where we can as no code experts and makers actually build something that will in itself teach itself to do or build other things that will definitely be tough so i think it just depends on like how creative you can get with solving whatever specific feature you're trying to build in your product but outside of like ai and machine learning voiceflow has helped solve voice webflow has helped solve web design and development bubble has helped solve like web apps and Glide and Adalo and uh, Thungable and all these other mobile app tools have actually helped solve mobile apps. So there's not too many limitations at this point.
1: So you said something about working with companies and, and tools like VoiceFlow and having used it in the past. Considering this expanding universe, tell me about that project, because I've not really heard a lot about people working with voice and then bringing that to fruition with no code tools. So tell me about the project you worked on.
0: So it was like an internal test for us to like build a small voice app that was actually kind of like a concierge for hotels. It didn't actually get into production at any point. And it was more of like a futuristic thing, you know what I mean? So it's not something that hotels are currently doing at all. Like telling Alexa to find me the best hotel in Cincinnati, bringing that up on your TV, and then like telling her to book that hotel for like five nights is definitely something that is gonna uh, eventually be a thing. And so creating like, search engine optimizations based on actual voice search is going to be critical in the future for things where there there is going to be a visual aspect to that voice search. Um, and so that's, that's, it's probably not too interesting for this podcast. I don't think, but like that, that is something that we were working on. I got to stop you
1: Joe. This is very, very interesting. Let me tell you why. How long ago was it you were working on that project?
0: Like four years ago. Okay. Four years ago,
1: I just came from a conference less than a w- about a week ago, where I'll give you one example of a company that's already doing that in e-commerce. Company is called Blue Tag. What I've noticed with a lot of the people in no code is that not only do they have diverse backgrounds, but one thing I love about people in no code is that they can see into the future. There's a company called Zamo, Z A M M O. Just type in Zamo Voice. And basically what they're doing now for small and medium enterprises is they're basically leveraging a lot of the content that you already have and that you're probably trying to put out in text-based search. And they're leveraging assets like a typical FAQ site, and they're going to help you translate that FAQ site into a voice interactive interface. Yeah, that's genius. Yeah, so you're seeing into the future. So I'm really glad that you were able to, you know, point that out, especially talking about voice, because I specifically don't think it's something a lot of people are talking about. But the more I get into it, I notice some people are really peeking around the corners of the abilities of no code and taking that boundary past what is currently available today. What are you learning about the challenges of starting a no-code agency, what would be your advice to anyone trying to take the same route?
0: So I think you should definitely be transparent with clients. Like Agencies are not historically not transparent, but they might not provide the best solution for a company. I think a no-code agency literally has to be transparent to their clients about what is being built and what they're going to be handing off to the client if they're handing it off. Because the client's going to have to take that and work with it however they will. But it's going to be in a visual development tool that they will be able to handle without having to code, which is insane to me because that is yeah. something that has never been able to To be done before like you're going to have to tell a client like this it's going to be built in glide apps or it's going to be built in bubble or it's going to be built in webflow and then uh, the agency is going to have to provide a guide on how either how to use that tool or how uh, exact guide on how to manage and maintain that exact project that they built for them in that specific tool maybe your agency doesn't take webflow projects because nobody on your team has skills for that specific tool So just planning, planning, planning is all I can recommend. And then there's the other side of things where if like you're wanting to scale your agency, especially in these no-code tools, it's very easy to actually build components in Webflow or Bubble that you can reuse later. I think it's something that you wouldn't wouldn't normally be able to think about because every single custom project for an agency that custom builds web apps and stuff like that is generally hand-coded because no-code tools are a little bit more limited in how those components are built, it's much easier to build those components ahead of time and and use those as like a framework for future projects.
1: Do you foresee uh, a future where you have a lot of makers starting to form maker super teams? I think that would be like a way to like take the game from zero to a thousand and just put a bunch of really talented no-code makers in an agency and just decimate the current model.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that's the thing. Like Alan, who I partnered with on Newcode and is partnering with me on Small, is based in Poland. He knows Webflow extensively, and on the other side of the coin, I know Bubble extensively. So those are the two main tools that we're going to be focusing on for our agency. I feel like that's already happening. You've got some other great agencies like Minimum Studio. Andrew Wilkinson just invested in Max Lin and Eighty Twenty, which is another no-code agency that's going to be built around producing no-code projects, and so. I think that's already kind of happening. Like everybody's finding their own teams because if you have somebody that knows Glide, knows Adalo, knows Webflow, knows Bubble all on one team, you could literally build anything. Like you could just go to a client and say, we will build you anything you want.
1: I think that's a really great strategy, not only for makers today, but even for the agencies that are trying to think about how to innovate. It's not going to come through charging the customer the same amount of money and just trying to play this labor arbitrage and going to no-code makers and hiring them for less. You need to literally think of starting to bring a lot of these makers in-house because that's where everything is yeah. going. Okay? Yeah. And it actually shouldn't be cheaper
0: development, to be honest. You can build an app for a business in a day or a week or an hour, but it's only going to cost less literally because it took less time.
1: Hey, it's Edmund. How's it going so far? Well, I'm guessing if you've made it this far into the podcast, you've probably got something out of it, and I'm really glad about that. All right, that's enough for now. We're going to get back to Joe and discuss his no-code stack. Enjoy. Failure right now is embarrassing for a lot of people, and I think that that's one reason a lot of people don't get into anything new because they just don't want to fail. Can you just talk about that? idea of failure, the embarrassment of it? How have you dealt with it? And how do you feel about it today?
0: I, I would just say that like being open and honest about failures, just as much as you're open and honest about successes is extremely important. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed about or anything to be embarrassed about when it comes to failing. I think it's it's critical for personal development and professional development. And being able to explain why a project failed is also very important, especially to are actually maybe the founder or CEO of your own company and being able to explain to your team why that specific project or company failed.
1: If we take your theory of expanding capabilities and boundaries forward, some people might tend to think that no code is just the way everything is going to be. So my question to you is, no code is not, please finish the sentence.
0: No code is not trying to get rid of developers. In fact, there's gonna be more important things for developers to be working on than marketing websites and smaller, low-scale web apps and mobile apps and stuff. It is something that should be embraced by everyone. I think empowering the 99.5% of people that don't know how to code is extremely important.
1: What's really surprising to me is that I've found a lot of software developers, like hardcore developers, that have never heard about no-code and didn't know that for a long time they've been making no-code tools. Why is it that this idea of using this no-code MVP mentality isn't as prevalent with the folks that are actually paving the way for it?
0: I just don't think that developers have had that on their mind, really, because they just have the skills to build what they want.
1: If there was something that no code could do for you today, what would you like that to be? Maybe there's someone out there working on it.
0: Yeah. If there was one thing specifically, it would be turn my Figma design files straight into a Bubble or Webflow app. That would be crazy nice. I don't know how far down the road that is, but I'm sure eventually that's going to happen.
1: One thing that is important for our listeners is not only understanding something as no code because we call it no code but I think what's really important is being able to break down each of these tools and platforms into their separate stacks. So can you talk about your projects in terms of the no code stack that it's made of and also talk about the information and process flow that goes into making and actually using these products. Take us behind the curtains. So as
0: far as the tech stacks for some of our projects right now, small is actually uh, very simple. It's just Webflow. Our small UI kit will actually have like a bubble and Webflow component to it. So that'll actually be two separate things, but it's just a UI kit. So it's nothing functional in the back end of it. And then from our new code project, new code actually has quite a few things going on in the back end of it when you go to new code it is fully bubble built there's no other products that we use outside of like our email platform which is SendGrid, and then coda for project management and so bubble has an extensive like database layer to it so you can create as many databases inside of bubble as you want so new code has like probably 15 or 20 like different databases in it everything from like products to tools to makers the lessons, courses, the deals, meetups and events.
1: It seems to me that Bubble is a very intricate and capable tool.
0: Yeah, so like you have a relational database in like Airtable, essentially that is what the back end of Bubble's database looks like. It allows you to manipulate data in whatever sense you would like, and the workflows let you essentially change anything like you would in Zapier but inside of Bubble's own database. Nothing is sending data from Bubble to something else. It's just sending data from Bubble back into Bubble and like changing itself.
1: I wanna come back to Small. You talked about the UI kits. Can you explain that to us? What is it they're getting from Small and what is the UI kit in that uh, frame of reference? Small is
0: our, our agency for building no code products, but on the side of that, we want to just assist makers, and that's what new code's been about. We're actually launching the small UI kit as part of small instead of as part of new code. But it's essentially a UI kit to help makers and experts and other agencies potentially to create those visually appealing components in bubble and webflow to actually start their processes with. Like I mentioned before, with like building out different components to reuse in other projects. The small UI kit will actually have like 100 or 150 different components to be able to use in their bubble and Webflow apps. My hope is like after we build out that UI kit, I can actually do some live streams and stuff where we can show off like how to build a bubble app or how to build a Webflow app in an hour or so with that UI kit.
1: So you're making it easier for people to get up to speed, but you're also like literally giving them the early components to go out and build their own new code.
0: Yeah, it it would take somebody quite a while to learn Bubble, but if they have the components to start learning with, I think that's the most critical part. I I think the, the most empowering thing is when people start to realize that they can not just utilize these components in that UI kit and new code for building other products for no code makers, but it's more important about utilizing no code in other industries and other verticals to be able to build things without code.
1: One thing that I wanted to ask you before we finish off is what's a question that I didn't ask you today that you, you wish I had asked? What I wish you would ask me was
0: what would you recommend people do when they get started?
1: Okay. So what would you recommend people do when they get started?
0: So if you're going to start building without code and you're just not even sure where to start, besides like... Taking lessons and looking at YouTube videos and stuff, honestly, I would just dive into Bubble or Webflow or Glide apps and that type of stuff and just like try to clone something real. Try to clone something that people are enjoying and are using or is solving a problem and just try to clone that as an example of what is possible. And then that'll actually give you the ability to manipulate different features in the, those no code tools and figure out what is possible within each one and then deciding what you can possibly build with them. The way I started was cloning Product Hunt without code in Bubble, and then I cloned Dribbble without code in Bubble, and then ended up cloning the homepage of Disney Plus without code in Bubble, and then we made a Twitter clone as well. And so I think the base features for all of those types of different things, submission forms, feeds, community posts, like all that type of stuff, are components that you're going to be building into every type of project in the future for no code. And, and so I think actually going out and just using the tools and building those those types of basic features is going to be far more rewarding than looking at videos and things like that.
1: Got it. So we've got to have you give some shout outs to other no code makers. Doesn't have to be someone that everyone in the community knows. But one major reason I always ask our guests to do this is because there are probably some makers in places that people don't know about and they don't really get to rise to the top if they don't make top three products on product hunts when they launch. So this is your opportunity to give a you know, shout out and call out some awesome makers that you think we should know about.
0: So I definitely want to give a shout out to Edmund. For putting on this podcast, I think it's super critical that we push the no code movement a little bit, and having voices like yours is, is super critical to that movement. I definitely want to give another shout out to KP, who introduced me to you, but who has also been a, a super early supporter of new code and has helped I don't know how many makers build other things. And I'd also love to give a, a shout out to Lacey, Matt, and Ben from Visual Dev. I think. They've created a, a great team, but they're about to create No Code School. They've personally helped me quite a bit, so um, just want to give a big shout out to them. They're doing great work.
1: My question for you is: With all the content from podcasts to tutorials, what do you think is missing from the No Code content that needs to be out there right now?
0: I would love to just continue reading some crazy stories about what people have built without code. And I think specifically some enterprise client examples, if people can get outside of NDAs that they've had to sign, would be awesome.
1: So Joe, wrapping up, how can people reach you or connect with you?
0: You can reach me on Twitter at Cupajoe, spelled C-U-H-P-A-J-O, or you can send me an email to joe at newcode.co, spelled N-U-C-O-D-E.
1: Thank you very
0: much. I'll talk to you you soon, Edmund.
1: All right, you take care. See you, man. Well, that concludes episode four. As is customary, I asked Joe for his thoughts on the past decade of no code, as well as what the future holds. You'll hear these answers after the closing credits. You can reach me on Twitter through my handle, Codeless Podcast, or on LinkedIn through the same handle. Again, that's Codeless Podcast. Just search for Codeless and Podcast, and you can't miss me. Send us a voice note about our episode through our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash codeless. All music provided through free licensing. You can find more information and links in the show notes.
0: So to me, no code over the past decade has been about building websites and voice apps and automations without code. But it didn't have quite the no code nickname it's earned just last year in 2019. There were hundreds of thousands of people building up to the movement that it is today. So I think over the next decade of the No code movement, we're actually going to be heavily focused on building actual apps, uh, web or mobile as well as software. And I think putting those superpowers into the hands of anyone with an idea and the will to execute those ideas is gonna be the main focus. I think over the next five years, we'll be worrying less and less about whether no code or code is the right way or whether something is built without code and how, and actually more focused on whether the team behind it built something that people actually care about.